Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on July 14th, 2022 on the basis of Genesis chapter 45. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think last week uh, was the closest we will ever get, um, and the closest we have gotten, to ever having a cliffhanger ending to a sermon. Generally, we, we like to have things pretty well wrapped up by the end of a sermon, but here's where we left it last week before the, the reading that we, we just had. Joseph's brothers were in Egypt, and Judah was specifically standing before his brother Joseph uh, because Benjamin was in trouble. Uh, on, on their way back to, to Canaan, Benjamin was found to be in possession of Joseph's special silver cup, which carried with it the, the punishment of being Joseph's lifelong slave. Now, Judah was not going to let this happen to his brother. He had promised his father that he was going to be responsible for his brother Benjamin, and that's exactly what he had intended to do. And so that's the scene as we come into our reading today. Now, up until this point, Joseph had not revealed his identity to his brothers. He knew who his brothers were. He, he recognized them. But they had no idea that he was their brother, that he was Joseph, the one they had sold into slavery so many years ago. Uh, but now, Joseph could no longer... Everybody out of the room. No Egyptians in the room. No, no. And when it was just Joseph and his brothers, it all came pouring out of Joseph. He started weeping at him. He wept so loudly that those outside of that room could hear him. And all of Pharaoh's courts heard that Joseph was in there, they're weeping. And then we get to the climax of the story. The whole story of Joseph kind of hinges on this point. Joseph revealing himself to his brothers, and he does. He tells them who he is. And you kind of wish you were there, don't you? Seeing the look on the brother's face, quickly from surprise to sheer terror. In fact, it says they were so terrified that they couldn't even speak. They had no words that came to them in this moment. But Joseph, he calls them close and he says this. I'll read this one more time. I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there have been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. It's pretty obvious Joseph had a, a godly perspective on this. Um, in fact, you could say uh, he could only have had this perspective from God, given to him from God, right? He trusted God's bigger plan for everything. That, that even as he's being sold as a slave into Egypt, he's, even as he ends up in, in prison in Egypt, he, he trusts that this is God's hand over everything in his life. He had forgiven his brothers in his heart. And Joseph, he was ready to move on. He was ready to move forward with his life. And, and now that his brothers were back in his life, Especially, he was ready to move forward. He wanted to see his dad again. Uh, he, he wanted to take care of his brothers because he knew that there would be five more years of famine. 
He wanted to keep serving as second in charge over all of Egypt so he could continue to save many lives, perhaps the very reason, or definitely the very reason that he was in Egypt. It's kind of a, a heartwarming moment, this climax of this, this story here. But it very easily could have gone a different direction. Just imagine if it had. Imagine that, that Joseph just went in a completely different direction, that when he was sold into to, to slavery in Egypt, that he was just angry and bitter. In fact, maybe he, he was so angry that, that he just would end up taking out everything on the people around him in, in his life. Maybe he was so bitter, he would, he would have been so bitter that, that he just wanted to give up. Give up trying, give up living, give up trusting in God and God's bigger plan. Now, now perhaps that hypothetical is not actually that hard to imagine. Because as you try your best to put yourself in Joseph's shoes, you have to imagine that that's exactly where his emotions were leading him. He, didn't, he probably didn't feel like forgiving his brothers. Why, why would he? After all that they had done to him, wouldn't forgiving them just kind of let them off the hook? Wouldn't it have been far too easy on the brothers to just forgive them and move on without requiring any sort of repayment, without requiring any sort of groveling on the brothers' behalf? Wouldn't that have been too easy on them? This was a serious thing that Joseph went through, and you have to imagine that at least at one point in Joseph's life, there was a part of him, maybe even a large part of him, that felt that anger towards his brothers, and maybe felt that bitterness towards God for, for allowing him to be put in that situation. It, this was a real hurt that was inflicted on Joseph, and it wasn't just a one-time thing, Right? Them selling him into slavery in Egypt changed the whole course of his life. He was still dealing with the consequences of the sin that his brothers had committed that many years ago. We could completely imagine that scenario. We could completely understand if Joseph was angry and bitter. In fact, maybe as we read through the story, we can even feel that a little bit too. But then, we might take a step back too and look at the whole story of Joseph and and we approach this from maybe an emotionally detached position. Because it, we weren't Joseph. We weren't in that scenario. So maybe we can look at the story of Joseph and say, well, what if he would have lost a bunch of years to anger and bitterness? What if he would just sort of wallowed for a long time? From a, a practical, logical, pragmatic uh, position, we'd say, what good would that do? What good would that have done his, his life? What good would it have done if Joseph would have let what happened to him at 17 affect the rest of his life? That makes sense, right? Logically, to us, it makes sense that why, why would Joseph waste his life in this? And maybe that's how we would think of the story of Joseph if we were emotionally detached from that scenario. But we're not emotionally detached beings, are we? God created us to be emotional. He created us to feel connection. He created us to feel joy and pleasure, to feel. And that would be a wonderful thing in a perfect world. In a perfect world, your feelings and your emotions would reflect the heart of your creator. In a perfect world, your feelings and your emotions 
would align perfectly with the will of God. But among the many other things that have been ruined, wrecked, destroyed by sin, our feelings and emotions make it in that category as well. Now, that's not to say that every emotion and feeling that you have is completely sinful, but it's also not to say that, that every emotion or feeling that you have is completely God-pleasing. Just, just because you feel it does not make it valid or pure before God, but as fallen beings in, in a fallen world, our emotions and our feelings have been tainted, corrupted by sin. We have never felt a completely pure, completely God-pleasing emotion or feeling. Every time that we've had an emotion or a feeling, it's, it's been tainted with some modicum of sin. On top of all of that, the devil is aggressively trying to manipulate your emotions to his purposes. He's trying to drive you away from God. He's trying to put a barrier between you and what is God-pleasing, and he certainly wanted to do that with Joseph. <laughs> he would have loved nothing more than to manipulate Joseph's emotions to, to make him want to give up or to, to be angry. He would have loved nothing more if he gave himself over to those things, and those things consumed him, because just imagine what could have happened. Joseph maybe would have been sold as a slave into Egypt, but maybe he wouldn't have worked as diligently for Potiphar. And maybe he would have remained a low-level slave for the rest of his life. He never would have been in a position to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. He never would have been in the position to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. He certainly never would have been made second in charge over all of Egypt. And he never would have been in the position to save um, many lives, as he saved the, the lives of the people in Egypt and the people of the surrounding area. A lot of things would have been completely different if Joseph had never forgiven his brothers. But he did. Joseph forgave his brothers, and as we think about that, we still have to ask the question, how? <laughs> how could he forgive them after all that they had done to him? And you may start to think a little bit of your own life and think about some of the people that have hurt you in your life. Uh, maybe even severely, maybe even in a way that you're still dealing with the sinful effects that that sin caused. Could you do the same thing that Joseph did? Have you? Maybe as you're thinking about that right now, you're thinking, in your head, you know you should forgive in your head, you know that that's what God wants, but you look deep down in your own heart and you just don't feel it. You don't feel that forgiveness towards that person that hurts you so dramatically. I think here's something we could take from the Joseph story, and it's certainly something we can take from the rest of Scripture. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. And we see that from God. God made the decision to save. He made the decision to forgive. And he made that decision, and he didn't make it contingent on anything. He didn't make it contingent on your future behavior, that you had to do this, this, and this in order for you to be forgive, forgiven. He didn't make it contingent on, on a little bit of repayment that he would inflict on you or would get from you. He didn't want you to grovel at all. He made the plan to forgive, and he made it pretty early. 
All the way back at the beginning of Genesis, when Adam and Eve first fell into sin, he made that plan early, and he stuck to it. He never has gone back on it. Certainly, we've given him every reason to go back on it, but he never has, and he never will. He decided to save. He decided to forgive. And God's not just a planner, but he follows through on those things, too. He followed through on his decision. He sent his son to accomplish our salvation He sent his son to die on the cross to forgive our sins. That decision for you has already been rendered. You can trust that always. And God's decision to forgive you has a direct relation to your ability to forgive others. Now, you can do all the looking you want into your own heart for the feeling of forgiveness or for the ability to forgive someone else, but the ability to forgive someone else does not come from within you. It comes from outside of you. The ability to forgive someone else comes from Christ. It comes from knowing exactly how much you have been forgiven, being consciously aware of the depth of your own sinfulness and how much Jesus has forgiven you, and it comes from knowing the lengths to which God went to save you. The length to which God went to carry out his decision to save and to forgive. It really becomes a life practice for us. It's not just one, a one-time thing that we can, can know in our head, but it's a life of law and gospel. It's a life of, of repentance. It's a life of confessing our sins and receiving that absolution. It's soul work going on here. It doesn't just take place here. It doesn't just take place here. It's your soul being worked on, and that's only done through the work of the Holy Spirit, who works through the Word, through that law to convict you of your sin, through that gospel to heal you, to make you whole again, to remind you that you have been made right with God. It's the Holy Spirit who works on your soul through the sacraments to shower grace upon grace on you. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that you can, A, know that you're forgiven, and B, give that forgiveness to others. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that you can have a heart of forgiveness. Let me give you an idea of what that could look like in the life of a believer. If someone hurts you, maybe even in a severe, harsh sort of way, A heart of forgiveness that the Holy Spirit has cultivated in you changes your reflex. Your reflex is no longer revenge or anger. Your reflex is patience and love and forgiveness. You see, God doesn't only give you the ability to forgive that one person in your life that you're maybe thinking of right now, but God works in your heart of forgiving disposition, meaning forgiveness becomes a part of who you are to your core, and that you make a decision even right now to decide to forgive people preemptively before anybody's ever done anything to you. You preemptively decide, I'm going to forgive anybody who who sins against me because I know what Christ did for me. Now, will that ever be perfect in our lives? Absolutely not. We will be sinner saint 
Until the day we die, we will battle against that sinner in us until the day that we die. We will want to hold on to resentment. We will want to hold on to anger. We'll want to make that person feel a little bit of pain before we're willing to give forgiveness. But we will battle against that sinner all the days of our life too. And we'll keep coming here and hearing uh, the forgiveness that Christ has poured out on us. We'll keep, keep examining our own hearts and recognizing that we are sinners in desperate need of God's forgiveness. And that we have been forgiven so much so it is so easy for us to, to freely give that forgiveness to others as well. Joseph likely knew all of those things. And it was really the only way that he could move forward. He would have been stuck in the past he would have been stuck in bitterness and anger for so many years, but he forgave. God worked that forgiveness in his heart and his ability to forgive others. And we, we pray that God grant us the same, that God grant us the, the, uh, the real knowledge that our sins are forgiven before him and how much that means to us. And we pray that God grant us the ability to forgive others freely as well so that we may move forward as well. We pray that God grant this. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you'd like to help us get the word out there uh, to more people and so that more people can hear about Jesus, could you do me a favor and, and hit subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast? That helps more people see this podcast and hear about God's love for them. Thanks for helping us and God bless your week.